Hey everyone, I'm Riley Burke and welcome to The Variety Show. I'm a 22-year-old student, businesswoman, and traveler who loves expanding my knowledge and learning new things. This podcast is a way for me to take everything I've learned and share it with all of you. The Variety Show, a podcast where we talk about a variety of different things, such as business, fashion, food, travel, friendship, and everything in between. This is a podcast where we can laugh, grow, and learn together, and I'm so happy you're here. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to The Variety Show. I have a very special guest with me today. He is a surfer from Hawaii and an IT specialist for the Marine Corps. Please welcome Carter Perry. Carter, welcome to The Variety Show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, You had quite the year last year, for sure, um, which we'll get into later on. But I'm super excited just to learn more about you and your story. And it should be a lot of fun. So we will jump right in. Um, To start, where are you from? Do you have any siblings? Like, tell me, tell me, give me a little bit of background here. All right. You want to learn a little bit about me? Tell me everything. (laughs) I want to know everything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, I was born in Maryland, spent a few years, like first memories in Pasadena, California. Uh, I think by the time, you know, kindergarten rolled around, I moved to Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Kind of a bit of a downgrade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Weather wise. uh, Right. You know, it was a great place to grow up. yeah, and I was out there until I graduated high school from Shaker Heights High School. Um, somehow ended up applying to university in Hawaii, despite never being there. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing I want to talk about. Do you have any um, siblings? Uh, yeah, I have a sister. She is 20, let's see, 34. It's 27 now or 28, um, and she lives in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. So one sister and then you. Yep. And I kind of have like a pseudo brother that's not actually related to me, but I consider him my brother. Love it. And then how old are you again, Carter? I am 23. 23. Awesome. Okay. So you moved to Ohio, you're going to high school here, and then you decide to go to college in Hawaii. How did this even like cross your mind? Like why Hawaii? Well, I certainly didn't think that colleges actually existed over there. I had the classic mainlanders understanding of Hawaii someone that's never been there you you know think it's that picturesque like very isolated and there's really a small population um, yeah turns out you know the city's bigger than Cleveland significantly <laughs> uh-huh. yeah and I was taking surveys online trying to figure out you know what college I should go to it gave me a lot of like you know University of Vermont OSU um, and one of them I believe was University of Hawaii and that's when I just discovered that they existed in the first place. So <laughs> gave it a shot, uh, sent my application in and got accepted. So so what were you like passionate about, you know, as a kid and growing up? Like, what did you study in, in school? Um, well, let's see. In high school, I was just trying to get by, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, do the most that I could to get into a decent university without, you know, really trying as hard as I could. Uh, but <laughs> Worked out for me. Um, yeah. My interest kind of laid light, in science at the time and history. Um, okay. But I totally did not have any idea what I wanted to do. 
with my life. I figured something business related um, mm-hmm. going into college, but I kind of discovered my path at university. Yeah. And you said too, um, so you moved to Hawaii, you've never been there before. What was that like for you adjusting from living in Cleveland to living in Hawaii? That must've been so amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely in the short term, it was, took a while to get acclimated just to the altitude uh, where I was living. Um, it was much higher than sea level. Uh, we kind of live near the mountains, the Koalau range runs through the middle of Oahu. And my campus was on the windward side kind of a little bit higher up. So the multi, the crazy amount of steps I had to do to go from my parked car up to my dorm room was, you know, it trained me yeah. <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> and Not I to know, mention, you know the weather and everything just for sure. For a lot sure. more humid. Yeah, absolutely. And I know um you were super into surfing, right? Did that start in Hawaii or like since you were a kid, like you'd like to surf? Like how did that start? So surfing, I did occasionally on the East Coast, but I wouldn't wouldn't say it was a passion of mine at the time. Um, I had fun getting in the water. My dad used to windsurf a lot. Oh, cool. Um, but I didn't really get into it until first week I was living in Hawaii. My dad and I were set up in a hotel in Waikiki, um, which is like the main touristy part of Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And we rented longboards and I surfed probably every day until the first day of school. Wow. And that first week I bought my first longboard, which is like a 11 foot t- Tanaka fiberglass board. Mm-hmm. And I would go down to Waikiki all the time just to, you know, stay in the water. It's so pretty out there. And oh yeah. even if you're not good at surfing, just being out in the ocean is super therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Did it take you a while to like, I feel like surfing is like very challenging and difficult. Like, did it take you a while to like, to get it or like, you were kind of a, a natural at it. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, surfing takes a lot of time to get good at because it's not like skateboarding where you're always training. Like as mm-hmm. soon as you step on a board and you push, you're getting better at it. With surfing, you have to first even learn how to catch a wave. Right. And then your time is limited to being on that wave. So you really have a very limited amount of time each session that you're out there to adjust and improve. But I'd say after about a year of surfing, about four or five days a week, I got to the point where I could transfer to a short board or a shorter board. I went down from like to seven foot and then probably about six. And by the time five years later, I'm, I was surfing about a five, seven foot board, 27 liters, which was ideal for my kind of body weight and height. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. So after you you graduated college in when? That would be 2019. In, 2019. Uh, May, May of 2019. Okay, nice. And then you went to Bali on this surf trip. I want to hear more about this. Yeah, so that was, that was super fun. I was applying for a job at the Marine Corps to be a contractor. And in the IT profession, I needed to have a secret clearance in order to look at secret information or at least work around it. Okay. And that application takes a long time. They, uh, you know, the government calls your friends and neighbors and oh, geez, <laughs> make sure that you're, uh, you know, not a threat to giving out any information. So it was like two or three months. So I figured I had my uh, some savings lined up, and I really wanted to do a trip like this on my own. Um, I've never really traveled out of the country solo before, so I rented a little place in Bali, uh, in Changu area, kind of like 
right on the outside of Chengdu. It's called Taranan. Um, so it, it wasn't very developed. A lot of rice farms and yeah, just uh, local people there. Um, yeah, and uh, I stayed there for about two months. Wow. Right when I arrived, though, I lost my wallet. No way. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, that was a little tricky to navigate. Yeah, for sure. Did you end up finding it or it just No, so well Oh my gosh. My wallet was intact, but my credit or my bank card, debit card fell out of my wallet and credit cards really don't work in Indonesia. Oh um, no. Like a bank ATM won't accept it. Uh there's no like cash withdrawals or anything at any supermarkets and most don't even take cards. So uh I was like, oh, that's all right. I'll just I guess go to a Western Union or something and yeah. withdraw money, but it was um in, in, Bal- in Balinese culture, there's a lot of holidays. So yeah, turns <laughs> out it was about like a week long holiday while I was there. At, oh my gosh! At Ramadan or something. I'm not sure exactly, but everybody was fasting, so I figured I'll just fast too. <laughs> I had enough water with me that oh my god, go a few days without eating. So yeah, you know, I really got the trip off to a, an interesting start. <laughs> oh my gosh, what made you um, choose Bali of all places? Like, where did that kind of come from? Um. Bali is like known to be one of the best surf locations in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and just being a kind of a Southeast Asian country was very appealing to me. The food I like, so food can drive you anywhere, really. Right? Yeah, it just, just kind of followed sense. my nose and turned out to be one of the best decisions I've ever made because it really allowed me to develop as a person, just being independent and going out to locations. When you're at, at like a foreign location by yourself. You can say yes to anything. True. I made this awesome friend group of like 30 to 40 year olds that uh, were all expatriates from all around the world. Wow. And uh, man, yeah, they taught me a lot about myself and just how to, you know, charge life. (laughs) For sure. For sure. And what was that um, experience like for you traveling um, alone? Because I like to travel a lot, but I've never done any kind of solo trip. Like, I feel like I would be like... I don't know, too nervous or I don't know. Like, did you enjoy like that solo, solo trip? I totally enjoyed it. But yeah, nerves were totally there. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just even the fact that everyone speaks a different language out there is right. intimidating. Mm-hmm. And Balinese was tricky for me to learn. Uh, I really only got a few words down. Yeah. But um, I feel like those solo trips, I feel like that's when you grow the most and learn the most and, you know, kind of figure I highly out, recommend like, it. Uh, I for mean, sure. Especially if you go to a place that's like low crime, right? I mean, Japan would probably be a great start for anybody that's a little bit worried about going by themselves because Japan has, I believe, the lowest crime rate in the world. So you don't really have to worry about your safety so much and you can just focus on growing as a person. For sure. And I'm sure too, the surfing in Bali had to just been incredible. I can only imagine how beautiful it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it was stunning. My first day out in the water, uh, I'm about... I don't know, probably 30 or 40 miles from Denpasar, which is the kind of the main city on Bali. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this massive statue they built in you know, the past 10 years that you could see from that distance. So in the water, I'm just looking at this huge statue of a goddess riding an eagle. And I'm like, wow, well, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> yeah. This is a totally different environment. Everybody in the water is like Australian or yeah. from New Zealand and it was amazing so so exciting sounds incredible absolutely so you came back from your trip 
Um, and then did you go back to Hawaii or did you go back to Cleveland? Uh, from there, I just returned to Hawaii. Uh, my brother came during the last like two weeks. Uh, it was his first time really out of the country at all. Okay. So he had a great time uh, and he was planning from there to move in with me uh, in Hawaii. Uh, oh, so, wow. Yep. We ended up getting a place together uh, in Kaneohe. And that's where I lived. And I started working in August. And by the time December rolls around, I'm returning from a trip visiting my family for the holidays, December 31st. Uh, and that's when I start to feel cold and like symptoms. Yeah. So I, I want to talk all about this because this is just so, uh, so insane to me. So you're living in Hawaii, you're working, you go home to Cleveland, come back to Hawaii. And then you start feeling kind of sick, right? Yep. Okay. Walk me through all this. Tell me okay. everything. Yeah. So I just, uh, there's a lot of fireworks going off for New Year's. I'm just staying in my apartment because I got in that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hawaii goes pretty crazy with fireworks just <laughs> because of the uh, kind of the Chinese culture that's out there. It's yeah. infamous for just having like hundreds of illegal fireworks. <laughs> every small house and these aren't like you know your firecrackers we're talking about this is like massive explosions that a city would buy jeez Except they're just going off in every little house and oh my I'm on gosh. the top story of my apartment building and they're just exploding at eye level so jeez it starts at like 6 p.m and ends at 2 a.m so by the end wow. of the night i had a really bad headache and yeah uh sore throat so i just attributed it to that mm-hmm. and then the next day my buddy uh walker who was living in Japan at the time, teaching English, came back to visit me. Um, we went to school together, both back in Ohio, and he lived with me in Hawaii mm-hmm. and went to college with me. And yeah, I was just, you know, feeling cold symptoms for those next two or three days. By the time the 3rd of January rolled around, I definitely, it was kind of transforming into like more like flu-like where muscle aches and a little bit of delirium but i was still good enough to drive we went to costco i got wings to try to burn burn out got wings you know yeah the stuffy (laughs) nose and i was all right and the next that night i ended up coughing up a little bit of blood very small amount and i was kind of delirious so i wasn't really thinking it was that much of an issue but right go to the hospital in the morning Mm -hmm. then the next day it's really hard for me to walk down to my brother's car even I had to sit down in the elevator. He wheels me off to the uh, local hospital, um, Castle Medical Center in Kaneohe. And the last thing I remember was him just checking me in. And then I wake up two weeks later or something, my sister by my side. And I'm so surprised, like, how did my sister get here from Ohio? Right. In like a few hours. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. So you said you woke up two weeks later you were in were you in a coma or what was yeah i was in a medically induced coma wow and i had like all these tubes attached to me probably like 30 tubes <laughs> i can't imagine like the confusion that you like what you were thinking when you woke up that's that's scary for sure yeah, it certainly was because i was going through this almost dreamlike process during that coma where it's like a dream except you're falling asleep in this dream and then waking up the first two dreams felt like they lasted like a week and a half. Yeah. Uh, they were interesting, but I don't really need to talk about them here. But the very last one, which felt like three or four days, 
it was just me in this open infinite white space uh, like up and down it's just white and i can't see anything there's nothing else there except for me and i'm like i think i'm dead and i, I i'm just like dang this is pretty boring yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how i'm gonna do this for all eternity yeah so i just kind of sit down and uh try to figure out how to pass time and <laughs> in this space. Wow. That's so interesting. I, love, I woke up from that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always wondered too. Um, Cause I feel like, I don't know, just from like TV shows or real life. Like I always wonder if like people, like when you're in a coma, if they can like hear people or like, did I, you, I don't know. No, I know <laughs> what like, you're saying. Uh, I, you know? I don't remember hearing like anybody speak to me. It yeah. was really involved in these worlds that I was creating. Yeah, so interesting. And yeah, my heart went down to like 2% capacity. Oh my god. At this point. So I was definitely on the verge of just death at this point. That's wow. That's insane. So you yeah, wake up. Definitely a shocker when you've never had like an illness in your life. Really. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, I feel like you were like a healthy like kid and an yeah. adult growing up, you know, surfing and traveling like i was definitely in the best shape of my life by the time i got sick because i was just coming back from that bali trip wow. and surfing every day um right that that saved me honestly being in that condition by the time i got sick because i went from 170 pounds by the end of this i was 114 oh my gosh so i had a little bit of you know jeez yeah muscle to burn and you know use for energy i guess Right. So you woke up from this coma, your sister's there. Were your parents in Hawaii at this point or it was just your sister? Yeah, both arrived. Uh, my stepmom was there. Uh, stepsister, my sister, my brother. I, I think Walker was still there or he had to go back to Japan by the time I woke up. Um, mm -hmm. So I had a lot of family around. So what were the doctors saying? Like what was going on? Um, I believe at this time they realized that I contracted influenza B, which is just your generic flu, uh, the same type of flu that's transmitted from person to person. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, people like to dismiss the flu a lot because it's so common, but, right. you know, it's caused incredible, like, pandemics in the past. Mm -hmm. Spanish flu, that was terrible. Right. Um, so it just, yeah, I just got a really bad case of the flu. Um and then by the time they also intubated me, uh, which is like sticking an air tube down my throat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I possibly contracted a staph infection. Oh my God. Either from that or from surfing a bit when I was sick. Um, and that kind of combined to create this super illness that just tore away my organs. That's insane. This is, this is so <laughs> like crazy to me. Like this. Yeah. So wild. Okay, yeah, so if you needed more reason to get a flu shot. Uh, there you go. Yeah, for real. Okay, so you're obviously not not feeling well. Um, how long like are you in the hospital? Like, are things getting better? Are things getting worse? Like, what what was going a lot, on? A lot of hills and valleys. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I was in the hospital. I in the ICU at least until May. <laughs> oh wow! And that sucks because there's no windows and you know, all the, there's no walls really that you're just next to other patients because they have to constantly monitor you. Oh, geez. So and it was so hard to sleep and I had so many hallucinations during this time, just because all the drugs they're giving me and right. to keep you calm with all the tubes that are in you. Then I finally got like my own space for like a month at the Cleveland clinic. I ended up getting 
okay. back from Queens uh, Medical Center in Honolulu uh, in February. So I was there for about a month and a half mm-hmm. to the Cleveland Clinic. So that's like a 14 hour flight. Yeah, geez. And I was on this thing called ECMO, which is extracorporeal oxygenation or membrane oxygenation support. Uh, so essentially my blood is taken out of my body. It's oxygenated by a machine. It's then heated. So that way it's back to body temperature and then put back into my body. Interesting. And a lot of people are on ECMO for like a few days. I was on it for 90 days. Wow. That's insane. So when you were in Hawaii, like did your family and, and parents, like were they, did they stay with you the whole time, like in Hawaii and then came back to Cleveland with you or? Yeah. So both groups rented houses. Uh, my mom stayed at my place. My dad and his uh, wife stayed at uh, another location that they rented out and they stayed the entire time I was there. Wow. By the time that I got to Ohio, COVID was in full effect starting. So oh gosh, everything shut down uh, around my birthday in March. And I mean, that kind of was a blessing in a way because it enabled them to visit me every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they could work from their laptops. Right, um, right. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. That, like uh, your family was around. It was weird because by the time March showed up, it's about the time I started getting weaned off really intense drugs mm-hmm. to focus. And it was like a zombie apocalypse where I'm like, what happened to the world? I'm well, that's, waking up into it. I was literally just thinking like for you to be in Hawaii celebrating New Year's Eve and then there's a few days you're sick. You wake up from a coma attached to all these tubes. Then you're back in Ohio and the whole world is shut down. Like this had to have been like the most insane thing ever. Seriously. I mean, what a way to start 2020. It really began with a bang for me. Yeah, for real. Jeez. So so you're still in the hospital then in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... So I had a pneumonectomy, which is the removal of a lung. Um, I don't know, sometime at the Cleveland Clinic. The dates are a little bit iffy now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think in March, they removed part of my leg. Because when you are dying <laughs> and your organs are failing and your heart's not working, um, and your kidney stops working. So I was on dialysis too. Uh, they use these things called vaso or vasopressors, mm-hmm. um, which essentially concentrates the need for blood to pool in your uh, organs, your you know vital organs. But at a cost, it takes away the blood from your extremities, like your hands and feet. Mm-hmm. So that pulled all the blood away from those areas and. Essentially, it's like the same thing as getting really bad frostbite. So my feet and my hands and fingertips were just black. So, yeah, you kind of got to make a choice. It's basically sacrificing a part of your body to keep you alive. Wow. So, yeah, I I wanted to ask you, too. Like, I didn't know if this was something that they were like, you know, we don't have to do this, but, like, you might get more sick or if it was like, we have to do this. Like, you don't have a choice. I didn't have a choice uh, because the... The gangrene, which is the, you know, the death of the tissue and the necrotizing of the tissue on my right leg or the foot started to become wet gangrene, uh, which is when it poses the risk of infection. And that's like, you know, when you, uh, you got to chop it off so it doesn't spread anywhere. Right. 
like you're always hearing like war stories. Um, so yeah, they just nick that part off. I was conscious, so you know, I gave them the approval to do it, but didn't really have much of a choice. Um, luckily, the left foot stayed um, okay; it stayed dry the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, along the line, uh, Akron Children's Hospital, which is where I did my rehabilitation in-house or inpatient, so while I was staying there, they were able to take a huge section from my thigh, transplant that, the nerve, the fat, the fascia, all the way to my uh, sole of my foot and rebuild wow. it. Uh, so the bottom of my foot has hair now from my thigh, <laughs> which is quite strange. Um and they also did a transmetatarsal amputation on the left foot. So all my toes are gone. So now it looks like I have a dolphin flipper. Wow. Or uh, I believe somebody uh, mentioned that it looks like a, the feet in Animal Crossing. <laughs> so I guess that's a cuter image. <laughs> I mean, I can't like imagine like what was going through your head. Like, were you like you know, you seem like a very like positive outgoing guy. Like what were you thinking during all this? Like, you know, were you trying to stay like as positive as possible? Or were you like, I, I don't know. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. To be honest, I, I surprised myself a bit by, I really had very few days where I was like, this is terrible. This is the end. Yeah. Life's over. Uh, maybe like four or five times. I remember crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, I've always been a half glass full kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at this like, oh, well, I can still surf. I know there's people with prosthetics that can surf. Um, I don't know how good my lung is going to get. That's what mm-hmm. the real holdback is right now. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm sucking on a pipe of oxygen here. <laughs> no, yeah, you're good. You're good. Um, and, um, you know, that kind of encouraged me to keep going because now I realize, like, hell, I mean, I can now join the Hawaiian adaptive surf team, which is, you know, I'd never be able to join a surf team starting surfing so late in Hawaii. Right. Never be good enough for that. But now I'm like this young 23 year old that is just entering the field early. So the tides kind of turned, um, you know, the Paralympics is looking at surfing. So maybe I could do something as athletic as that'd be amazing. A lot of opportunities that can arise, you know, doing this podcast and being able to speak to kids about things like this. So I, I just look at the positives and you just got to channel and focus on that. Like, yeah, my life has changed a lot, but you know, it doesn't have to be bad. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And I think, you know, if anyone who's listening to this, if you, if you take one thing out of this podcast, it's, you know, what Carter's saying, like, look at the glass half full, like, you know, make the most out of anything, you know, things could always come up in life, but you know, don't let that stop you from still, living your life to your, to the fullest. I think that's really important and really awesome. Um, so after you get a lung removed, part of your leg removed, you got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, of course yeah, you, you know, get, you gotta, you gotta keep the drama going. On you have story, to, yeah, you have to keep it going. So it's, it's just you, giving me more stuff for the book, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you got COVID. Do you remember when this was? Is this like in the summer or when was this? So yeah, COVID happened to me during the summer when it was at its lowest risk. Of course. In the United States. Of um, course. Yep. And I was discharged from the hospital for the first time. So I was, I left the hospital for the first time in six or seven months. Yeah. 
uh, and I'm out in the world. And by that, I mean, basically at my dad's house. Right. <laughs> two days. Uh, and we go to this little island in Ohio, which, you know, it sounds weird, but we have the Great Lakes. So there's a lot of island chains. Mm-hmm. And we're social distancing. A few of my friends quarantined uh, to come and then visit me. Mm-hmm. But it, it turns out one of my friends who was quarantining at the time, his sister contracted COVID unknowingly. Oh, no. While he was quarantining in their house. And in that perfect time period where it's like there's no symptoms comes and sees me for the first time no yeah oh my gosh everybody's masked up the whole time but the thing is that you know they're they're taking care of me uh so it's super close proximity right cooking for me so yeah but i i honestly i didn't have any pulmonary symptoms which was huge a lot of people thought i was gonna die there uh i was still so weak from the hospital i could barely do anything and yeah i I was like having the flu except the normal flu (laughs) This is just, this is so crazy to me. So, so when you did get COVID, did you have to go back to the hospital then? Uh, no, or... I actually um, did the quarantining for two weeks from home all in my house. I was supposed to get that huge foot surgery mm-hmm. to rebuild my foot uh, in early July, but that made us push it to later in the month. Right. Wow. Well, at least, you know, the, the, I know like COVID it's so different with everyone. So, you know, thank God that it didn't, um, you know, like impact you as as severely as some other people. Yeah. The health risks that it poses for, you know, individuals in a younger age group aren't nearly as traumatic as, uh, the elderly population. For sure. You know, the biggest risk with COVID is just its virulency, how easy it is to transmit and then, you know, completely collapse our medical care systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, even for me, the risk of COVID from other people occupying ICU beds has been a complication for all my future surgeries that I've done. Yeah. And I know a lot about surgeries. I've done like 35 <laughs> this year. That's insane. That's so crazy. Um, I want to hear about the process of learning how to walk again. Is that, I mean, I can imagine it would be a, a huge adjustment. So when did, um, you know, the therapy and like all of this, like this new process kind of start for you? Yeah. So I did inpatient therapy for about two and a half months. Um, and that was hard because that's almost like seven hours a day of working out. No way. Except when you're <laughs> like dead. So finding the motivation to really push through on those days can be difficult. I um, can imagine. They, yeah. Usually you get woken up at like 7am and start your first session for two hours and then break and then eat. It's like camp work, workout camp. Jeez. Um, and it's not like the fun type where, you know, you get in shape and you start to look good. Right. You know, you're just trying to get essential. I can put on a t-shirt again. Yeah. Of, like fitness level. Um, but you know, after a few months passed, I start doing outpatient rehab and I'm in a wheelchair for a few months. Um, and then I get my first prosthetic, which is, you know, it's like your training wheels. There's no flexion in the ankle. There's no carbon fiber. So yeah, it's easy to walk. It's like a little peg leg. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually got used to, at that point, walking pretty quickly, um, at least without falling over. Yeah. I think a lot of that carryover from just my balance from surfing is still like ingrained into my muscle memory. Right. Um, I did a lot of yoga too. So some of that was there still. And uh, yeah, uh, 
the biggest struggle for me is certainly the lack of one lung. And then on top of that, um, just not having the other lung really being completely healthy, it's pretty damaged still. So really running on half a lung. Yeah. And oh God, just like going up the stairs, like, like crab style or whatever (laughs) (laughs) is almost a 40 minute process. Mm -hmm. Or at least it was. Um, And it's past the point of being exhausted and like it's like to the point where like your muscles start to fail and you can't catch your breath no matter how much you breathe it's just caused so much anxiety it was really yeah that was a super tough time now I'm at the point where I can walk upstairs unassisted and then I have to sit on my bed for like a minute to catch my breath but I don't feel like I'm dying I just feel like I ran a an Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's amazing for only having one lung. I mean, the fact that you're doing seven hours of therapy a day and, you know, you're, you're still like, you're doing the best you can. You know, I feel like maybe some other people in the situation would just like stay in bed and be like, you know what, like, I'm not even gonna. You try. certainly want to at that stage, but they, they force you. Yeah. Or else you don't get your insurance money to pay for stuff. <laughs> so you, you got to keep going. Uh, but yeah. it does it does become a bit harder when it's all on you. Uh, now I work out at home mm-hmm. and do outpatient rehab, but really I just want to get my lung to a point where I can go out without oxygen and be in the water and, you know, surf a one foot wave. That's the yeah. beginning. And then just progress from there. Cause there's people with one lung that have hiked every single mountain peak in the world. No way. Wow. The that's amazing. Each, uh, continent and the North and South pole. Um, Wow. Mount Everest with one lung, you know? Uh, so that means if you have one lung and you train hard enough and that one lung is healthy, you can really do what able-bodied people can do. Um, yeah. And then some, but with me, because my one healthy lung is so damaged, nobody really knows how much it can heal. So it's kind of like a blind road that I'm kind of traveling down. So it makes it scarier. That's the one part of my life that you know, I'm a little bit worried about, I don't want to be a 23 year old that's constantly on oxygen, but if that's the case, you know, I'll build around that and invent something oxygen machine that can work underwater. <laughs> That'd <laughs> be awesome. I'll, I'll still surf. I'll find a way. I mean, I'm, I'm starting a YouTube channel. I already have with uh, my brother called, it's just called Carter Perry on YouTube, P-A-R-Y. And on that, I'm trying to chronicle a surf vlog of my progression back into surfing I just to it. show what is possible, even when I don't know what's possible. Mm-hmm. So I just, I want to try to encourage people with that, with just charging as hard as you can and, you know, sending it. That's what we say in Hawaii. You just got to send it. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love your, uh, your positivity and your, uh, you know, your optimism that you have with life. It's really inspiring and special. Um, and I know it was so crazy too. So like when you were in the hospital and you were sick and you were recovering, you kind of got some, uh, press from this too. Like you were in some <laughs> yeah. articles, right? Like Cleveland clinic and wasn't it people magazine? Like tell yeah. me a little bit about that. So it started with the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, They wanted to write an article about me because people in my situation with this severity of illness, uh, I mean, they paid me for less less than a 1% chance of survival. Wow. Um, At least without, you know, any mental impairment. I mean, 
you know, I was without oxygen or my heart failing when I was transferred from the local hospital to the major hospital in the city. And my dad, who's a surgeon was like, he's not going to wake out of wake up from this without, you know, some type of mental impairment. Yeah. Uh, so they wrote about me just because my story's, you know, unique in that, you know, they helped save me along with Queens Medical Center in Honolulu and Akron Children's Hospital with the rebuild and the rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that article ended up getting picked up by People Magazine. Wow. And from People Magazine, uh, some various surf articles were written. Uh, Beachcrit.com picked up the article. So a lot of the surfing community kind of found out about it. Uh, and then some Italian magazines really spread around and then now these podcasts so wow yeah, it's, been, it's been a different change of pace to my old life but uh for sure it's been fun you know it gives me something else to focus on other than just working out all the time absolutely for sure um so what's going on now i know that you are in ohio um are you working right now or are you um no i was fortunate enough to have really good disability with my company Mm-hmm. when I got sick. So I'm on long-term disability until I can kind of recover. They've been holding my position for me my whole, this whole time. So oh, good. It's great. I can just kind of get back to work when I can kind of perform my old actions. For sure. Um, Do you have like therapy and stuff that you still are mm-hmm. doing or? Yeah, right back in February, I'm starting three days a week until uh, late March, mid-March. I'm planning on moving back to Hawaii uh, nice. and I'll continue therapy there. Probably start the surf vlog videos coming um that'll be awesome that time and then hopefully by you know quarter three ish late quarter three i'll be able to breathe well enough to continue working again yeah um, i just had a major surgery to close this giant hole in my back last week uh, it was like a six hour surgery i was in the hospital for seven days Jeez. um yeah so they had this huge hole you could stuff <laughs> i don't know like a two liter bottle Oh my gosh. Inside it was that big and you could see my heartbeat from inside my Oh chest. my god. Yeah. Jeez. That's cuz that's where they removed the lung, but my lung was so infected with pseudomonas that they can't close it up or else you just have this warm dark space for bacteria to thrive. So Jeez. That was open for about 5 or 6 months. I actually ended up surfing with that for the first time. So that was a bad idea just because I mean, I couldn't breathe right, <laughs> wearing, yeah. wearing a wetsuit. I just wanted to be in the ocean. Yeah. I wouldn't say I necessarily surfed. Um, right. But yeah, my whole back fills up with water and I start to sink anytime I take a bath or something. Jeez. Well, yeah. you're such a fighter, Carter. And like, seriously, just talking to you is just, you know, it's so amazing and so inspiring. And I'm sure you being back in Hawaii too, like Ohio, I, I live in Cleveland too. I'm in Ohio. Oh, nice. And, um, I'm sure, you know, just even being back in Hawaii with like the beautiful weather and seeing the beach, like I'm sure like mm-hmm. that in itself is just going to like help so much. Like the weather yeah, here definitely. sucks right now. So yeah, that'll no, definitely uh, be nice. Is your brother, is he still in Hawaii? Like, are you guys, is he going to be yep. there with you? Okay, nice. So Chase is still in Hawaii. Uh, he's living in an apartment, you know, house, take, taking care of the house. Taking care of the house for you. Um, yeah. Yep. And It'll be nice to be back, not only because I can get in the water and start training in that sense, walk outside and practice doing really basic outdoor things mm-hmm. is huge. I, I really can't do that in this icy, right. classic Cleveland winter. This is why I escaped the state. I don't know right. how you still live here. Yeah, honestly, I know. Maybe I should move to Hawaii. You're right. You, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. 
Um, what or who would you say has like kept you motivated through all this? Like, I, I know surfing is like a big part of like keeping you motivated. Yeah, definitely. Just keeping my eye on the sport of surfing and having that pretty clear defined goal is huge for me. Uh, there's a couple people, Mike Coots, uh, Bethany Hamilton, who have been, you know, reaching out and been encouraging with advice and stuff. Uh, yeah. Mike Coots is a below knee amputee like myself, um, lost his leg to, in a shark attack. Oh, wow. In Kauai. Uh, and now is a shark conservationist. So <laughs> yeah, it goes to show that, you know, they are a vital part of our ecosystem. And For sure. Care about them. Um, and, you know, Bethany Hamilton lost her arm in Kauai to a shark and wow. is a pro surfer. Um, so they've been really encouraging. And then for, as far as the lung goes, Sean, I'm not sure of his last name. He's the guy that did all those peaks with hiking with one lung. So that showed me that it's possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just reaching out to communities with similar circumstance have been a very key part of my, you know, keeping my mind positive. For sure. For sure. Well, I think that's amazing. And I'm just so, so excited, seriously, just to see everything that you do in the future and everything that you accomplish. And I know whatever you set your mind to, you're going to do it. And, you know, I can't wait to maybe see you in the Olympics one day. That would, that'd be incredible. So (laughs) So, it's super exciting. Um, Where can everyone follow you on social media and your YouTube channel? You're doing a lot of amazing things. So where can everyone connect with you? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's just Carter underscore Perry, P-A-R-R-Y. And same for YouTube, just Carter Perry. Easy to find me. Um, yeah, uh, that's pretty much where I'm mostly sharing my story right now. Uh, and that's where I'll continue to do it. Perfect. Yeah, everyone give him a follow, especially on, on YouTube. I'm really excited to see um, how that picks up in Hawaii. I think that'll be really cool. But um, Carter, seriously, I cannot thank you enough for being um, on the podcast. It was great getting to know you. I am just, you know, so inspired by you and and everything that you've had to go through uh, in 2020. It was an insane year for you, but I'm super excited for you. And and I know you're going to, you know, continue to live every day to the fullest. And yeah, it was just it was great, uh, great talking to you. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for letting my story and uh, talk to your uh listeners (laughs) absolutely it was a lot of fun carter thank you so much i hope you guys all enjoyed this episode and i will see you guys next week